Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about cloud brokers again. Guys, welcome back. I have Dave and Kevin back with me. They are the founders of the cloud broker team at Intel. They are now cloud solution architects in the sales organization where they belong, uh, <laughs> getting out there and helping other people um, come up with a good cloud strategy. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey, last time we talked about the importance of a cloud broker organization, let's talk more about what you learned when you were doing uh, doing this stuff. So let's let's dive right into. First off, what are the differences between the cloud? There aren't they just a utility? What like what's the difference between PG and E and Edison, uh, South, Southern California Edison? They just provide electricity, right? Isn't it the same with cloud? Um, Go ahead, Dave. Oh, I stumped <laughs> you guys. I stopped. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it depends on, um, I mean, when we first started, um, there were a lot of differences, you know, uh, that, you know, as I mentioned previously, you know, uh, one of the main differences was, uh, you know, uh, you know, the data center locations, uh, regional availability, right? Even now, uh, cloud providers, you know, some cloud providers will have uh, availability zones across all of their regions, right? And some cloud providers now still only, are, they're catching up. There's only like, you know, five or 10 uh, regions that have availability zones, right? So uh, there is still differences even now. So, you know, the reason we were, we were pausing was, I mean, it depends on whether you're asking about how we started seven years ago or now, right? And now there's maturity. There's definitely maturity between different cloud providers. But now, uh, you know, what we are seeing is that some cloud providers providers are, you know, kind of special, trying to specialize in certain areas, for example, uh, you know, AI and machine learning, you know, cognitive services, etc. cetera, uh, you know, a database service offering. Some are very rich in their managed database services, right? Um, you know, so, so we are seeing, you know, uh, some differentiation, but it's not as, you know, like before where it was, you know, night and day differences. Now, nowadays, it's, it's much more, uh, you know, there, they're more similar than not. Oh, so that's really interesting. Seven years ago, when you guys first started, mm -hmm. much more differentiation, mostly Absolutely. because of regions. And regions matter for latency. A lot, for, quite a bit, quite a bit. For yeah. a lot of things, right? Regulatory. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we saw, you said we saw kind of a commoditization of it. Yeah. And now they're trying to differentiate themselves again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so now, you know, um, there, there's some, you know, there's also some cost factors still in play. Uh, I mean, most most cloud providers now, you know, uh, you know, uh, allow you to uh, do reserve purchasing and things like that. And not, you know, that wasn't available across all cloud providers before, right? And, and now there's still some cloud providers that will allow you to, um, you know, have any type of compute with, uh, you know, any configuration you want in terms of, you know, number of CPU memory. While most others, while they have set, you know, series like, you know, if you choose a particular instance, uh, you know, size you get four CPUs, 16 gigs of RAM, you know, things like that. So there's still some minor differences. I wouldn't say it's anywhere near what, what, what it was before. Okay, so if I'm evaluating the differences in the cloud service providers now, it's mostly not going to be on, uh, it's going to be on cost, 
different services they offer? And what about security? Security um, is that pretty think, standard across all of them now. I think they've done a really good job uh, in in security, you know, of late. So as of today, I would say uh, it's pretty, you know, um, uniform across multi cloud providers. They all pretty much allow you to have a central, uh, you know, um, portal for all of your enterprise security. Uh, they have different toolings for us, uh, you know, uh, policies and guardrails automation, enforcement, and things like that, right? So uh, I would say it's pretty pretty even. Uh, Kevin, you could, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, security was a, a long journey for us as well. We went through a, a, a pretty in-depth uh, thing where we managed all security ourselves. We went off and had a whole bunch of external third-party uh, vendors that we bought products. And we even wrote a white paper on, on this. But, you know, now we've kind of moved to using native security products with the, with the cloud providers. Um, they at the beginning they weren't really providing that that great of a service. So third party companies would go off and they would build a third party product that provided you know security uh, for Amazon or security for Azure. Uh, but now the cloud providers have kind of built a lot of that into their platforms now. So you know Intel switched over to using more native components of that, uh, which is you know they're still growing in that space. I think that there's there's a lot of work that they can still do in, in security and making it easy for. Uh, for people to con consume services in the cloud. Um, but, in, you know, because in some cases, you still have to do the security yourself, unless you're using managed services that are directly from the providers, which don't give you, you know, layers down to the OS level, the, the vendors manage all of that for you. Um, if you're using, you know, the IaaS layer of things where you're having to patch your servers and replace your servers and upgrade the versions and things, there's still quite a bit of hands-on work that you have to do in the security space. Okay, so it's not it's not like the cloud service providers are a full secure managed security uh, shop yet. They're I think not yet. Not yet. I think that, that I think that's a direction that a lot of them are going because people just want to consume things. They just want to take their code and just put it out there and not have to worry about infrastructure. Um, but there come there comes with costs with that too. Some of those yeah. enterprise some of those managed services are can can be costly too. So you have to kind of weigh the cost of managing it your own on your own or using the things that are kind of provided out of the box, but you're going to pay overhead for that. Yeah, I mean, you... I think the main difference was in the past, there weren't even, you know, tooling that, that was available by, you know, cloud service providers to be able to properly secure an enterprise in, in public cloud. Uh, so that's why we, we were using a lot of third-party toolings, et cetera. But now, you know, at least the tooling is mature enough that we feel, you know, if you have the experience, I mean, if you are still a new company, uh, new you know, organization using public cloud, uh, you know, using native tooling from public cloud may not be the easiest thing in the world because it's not fully managed, et cetera, right? It's not an easy go button. That's where I think third parties uh, tooling will come in is that they make it, uh, you know, the, you know, one of the main things they, they, they offer is, uh, you know, a unified plane of glass, right? Where with, with, with one tool, you could manage your security across all cloud across providers. Multiple cloud Whereas, providers, you know, yeah. when, when you're using native tooling, you know, you have, you're, 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 you know, using different tooling, different portals for every provider, things like that. But if you have the, 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 you know, the, the skill set and maturity and ability to do so, then you know now at least they provide the tooling to do so. So that that's interesting. So if I'm a small to mid-sized company SMB, I'd probably go with probably not the native um, tool set because I yeah, probably don't I mean, have that in my org. 
but I, I would use a managed security service more than likely. Especially if you want to have a unified portal, right? I mean, unified. <laughs> right, which I would, yeah. which I would if I'm in yeah, SMB, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, that makes sense. So um, this is really important. The differentiation between the clouds is, is harder. They're differentiating on services. You mentioned AI services, or maybe um, I can fine tune my instance on the number of virtual uh, cores I have or whatever it is. Right. But in reality, they're becoming more of a utility. Uh, I, I would say that's definitely the direction, yeah. Okay, good. So do you guys think, and this one, hey, you know, give me your best shot. Do you think there'll be a race to the bottom as far as cost goes? Because we've had quite a few people when they get their first cloud bill, they're like, what did I just do? Yeah, there's still, um, I think there's still an art uh, to cost management, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of tools, uh, vendors have, you know, native tooling that will help you like advisors uh, that will do cost management, etc. cetera. Uh, there's, there's, you know, public cloud, you know, calculators that's available, etc. cetera. Uh, however, um, there's still a shock people. There's definitely some hidden charges. One of the biggest areas that we see uh, the hidden charges, uh, you know, that, that surprises our, our business partners are in the data ingress and egress charges, right? Um, wow. And so, so depending on, you know, we, we, if you're talking about from on-prem to public cloud versus within the public cloud to like a different regions. So there's different charges, right? And so we see that's probably one single most, uh, uh, you know, uh, areas of surprise charges. The other areas I think is that, you know, over-provisioning, uh, you know, a lot of times people will, uh, you know, over-provision uh, their resources. And you know, Intel now currently also, you know, does have, uh, uh, you know, uh, Intel Cloud Optimizer uh, that is powered by Densify that will help with things like that uh, to, to identify, you know, uh, over-provisioned resources and to recommend through, you know, detailed analysis, uh, you know, uh, which, what are the optimal, uh, you know, instance sizes and families you should be using and things like that. So. So yeah, th those are the two main areas of surprises. I think is that hidden charges from uh, network, uh, you know, bandwidth charges and and the you know oversizing, oversizing uh, over or having yeah. zombie zombie instances. Exactly, right? be like detached in detached storage volumes, right? That yeah. is not connected to anything, you know, yeah, exactly. things like that, right? Absolutely. All right, cool. When you guys were cloud brokers, people would come to you and say, I've got this workload. I want to put it into the cloud. Did you ever say, no, nah, don't do it? Did you yes. ever say, keep that Absolutely. on prem? Absolutely. Um, so what, wait, you guys, cloud brokers, you're just supposed to be, you know, pushing the cloud. That's what <laughs> no, brokers um, do, right? Pri yeah, private I mean, cloud counts too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, private. All right. So you guys you guys worked on kind of some criteria, right? You, you say- these are the areas that we look at to determine uh, workload uh, placement, right? Yes, we actually had a uh, we had an internal tool that we developed. Uh, it was called decision decision framework tool. It was basically app rationalization tool to determine uh, what you know. Basically, we called it right workload in the right place. And so, uh, you know, after going through this uh, tool, uh, the idea was that it will make a recommendation of whether that uh, workload, you know, is, is optimally should be landing should land in a SaaS environment, uh, on-prem environment, uh, a public cloud environment, right? And so, uh, so we did, uh, you know, have that tool, and you know, we there has been many cases where. Um, 
you know, we have, you know, recommended, you know, on-prem being our best solution, you know, and so not all workloads, even now, I, you know, are, are optimal for public cloud. Now, you know, that may not be true for all co or co companies, you know, Intel does have a large on-prem data center, you know, and so uh, it, you know, not all, not every company will have that kind of data center. You know, we have a very large public cloud, private cloud team, I mean, private uh, private cloud environment, uh, but you know, uh, if you have, if you're a medium-sized, you know, or, organization, etc., company, you may not have that, right? And so, public cloud will obviously be the, uh, you know, your best best bet. But uh, for for Intel, you know, we do have a, a you know mix of public cloud and on-prem. So, Dave, not everyone has the same tool. Obviously, it's an internal tool to Intel. So, if I'm making this determination myself, what criteria would you look at? Um, to, to make this happen? Sure. Um, I think what, even, even though um, there's a level playing field, you know, pretty much better than before, uh, data affinity and data gravity, you know, uh, is still, um, uh, you know, primary concern. Uh, you know, making sure that um, there is availability for different you know, the cloud providers on the you know for workload to place them in the right regions. So that's still uh, you know one of our you know primary factors. Other factors are you know uh, security. Uh, security is still uh, you know um, you know important uh, you know uh, in terms of determining the, the various different cloud providers. They have matured, like I've mentioned, uh, but you know you want to make sure you know uh, the identity provider providers, the encryption and the single sign options and the compliance and, you know, all of the other, uh, you know, you know, security uh, that, you know, security, you know, issues that you normally deal with on-prem, are you able to extend that in public cloud as well, right? And, and a lot of times we find that it's, it's you know, if you could, uh, instead of having separate tooling uh, on-prem and public cloud, if you had the same kind of tooling that spans public and private, that's much better. You know, you know the on the teams don't have to relearn separate tooling like a firewall, uh, you know, tooling, for example, right? Uh, you know, if that ex ex extends, you know, both on-prem and pu public cloud, that's much better. Other things are, you know, uh, you know, privacy as well as, uh, you know, you know, workload stability, uh, you know, HADR requirements, right? Does, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that certain uh, cloud providers will have you know um, availability zones which is basically a data centers in the same regions in multiple uh, data centers right uh, and you know, they'll have it across all of their regions some don't right and so uh, you know you want to take a look at that and finally the the fifth one is the cost right um, in terms of uh, there's still some differences between uh, you know public cloud providers of, of cost right um, and some have especially when you're dealing with uh, large compute uh, instances like let's say you know a Hundred large instances, or you know, uh, compute, uh, you know, very, you know, uh, compute intensive or memory intensive, uh, you know, uh, workloads, right? Uh, there, there, there's, there's still some differences in in cost, uh, so you know that plays a factor as well for workload consideration. So, in what cases did you find? What were the typical cases that you found that you said this should just stay on prem? What would um, lead you to that decision? Well, um, I think if uh, one of the main thing was, uh, you know, uh, data affinity, 
um, you know, if um, you know they, if a workload is connecting to a lot of on-prem systems, you know, database systems that are, you know, they need to connect to that are not that haven't moved to public cloud yet, right? So that it doesn't make sense to, uh, you know, put that workload in public cloud and connect back to on-prem. Now, even though you, we, we, you know, Intel does have you know hybrid connectivity between on-prem data centers and public cloud. Even then, you know, it still makes sense to have that workload on-prem. Because of you know you're still dealing with physics, right? I mean, uh, you know, if, you know the you know data latency uh, in the speed of light is speed of light. You know, you may have you may have less than you know uh, you know 20 milliseconds of, of latency, but depending on the workload, that that may be quite impactful, right? So well, so no, data and you mentioned earlier egress costs too. Exactly, exactly. Right? And if, if you got yeah. a really chatty application back to on-prem, absolutely, it, the cost could be astronomical. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, if if the if that workload is using you know standard services that are offered on prem, like storage and compute uh, and and networking, really, you know, if that's all really they're using, and we have the capacity on prem, that's where we would land them, you know, uh, you, you know, because it doesn't really make sense to you know for them to go out. Now, on the other hand, if they are externally facing and they're use they want to use services that we simply don't offer on prem, then absolutely, right, and we you know that. That, that it's a good you know candidate for public cloud. Kevin, we've heard about all right. I know where to put you. You guys provided some valuable information um, to people using. It, but how do you actually sell your cloud broker service? Your organization. I, what, what techniques did you guys use to make this happen? I think we really created ourselves as the the go-to people for 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 cloud, right? So when when we first started all of this, it was it was really a uh, you know wild, like I mentioned in previous episodes it was wild wild west, right? So we basically inter introduced the the ability for us to provide a quick, easy way to people to get public cloud and then um, make sure they got it in a secure manner, right? So we, we checked them for all of their security. We, we had automation in place to give them their networks, make it all happen for them. So it was really, it was a benefit for them to, to use us, right? So it wasn't really that we had to sell ourselves. They just knew, hey, I need a cloud account. Let's go to the broker team. They give me it within you know 24 hours. I'm up and running and I can get all the help I need enterprise support, you know, I can get I can, anything I needed, I can get from these guys, right? So it really sold itself after the after a period of time, um, once they once people got used to, to, to talking with us, right? So how did you get to that point? Because that didn't happen day one. I know, because no. I, I hated that you guys existed. I'm yeah, sorry, no, it, it, <laughs> sorry yeah, to say that. It, I, I, I all of a sudden, I lost all the control that I wanted, right, as a developer. I, you know, I spun up any instance I wanted and, you yeah, know. Yeah, I think, I think it was a mixture of it because when people first got their accounts, they were unsecure and then the band hammer came down by InfoSec, right? They'd come in and say, you are going to get your account shut down. And most of the developers said, well, what did I do wrong? I didn't know I did something wrong, right? So that's where the broker team would help provide them with the tools and the resources to say, oh, you don't do it that way. You don't, you do it this way. And let me help you, you know, build your, build your network correctly with automation. You know, I'll, I'll run this, run the script to build your network and configure it. Um, and they didn't, and we started getting into the place where it will auto fix it things, right? Somebody does something bad, 
it'll go in and auto fix it and take that, take that bad thing out of their environment, right? So instead of getting all of these notices saying, hey, go fix your stuff, right? You're, you're, in, you're not compliant and they not knowing how to um, be compliant, we would actually take care of it for them, right? With oh, I, I think that one right there is the key because I remember when I first started getting those emails and I'm like, I don't know how to do, what are they yeah, asking what me is to it? do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and I loved it when those stopped happening and things just started getting fixed. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've really, we've really, really grown in that space because it was just, hey, here's 50 emails that come out on a Wednesday afternoon that you're not compliant, <laughs> right? And the developers are just building a bunch of security groups. They're launching instances. They're not patching them, you know? So we just help to help provide a lot of those things that they can get now out of the box, just request a VM or request a network and it's already there set up for them. So that's really what sells the brokerage is, is providing those types of services that help people get enable the developers to get what they need, but Quickly. also not yeah. be annoyed by all the security stuff <laughs> that gets sent on them after yeah, the fact, Yeah, right? absolutely. No, and no, you know, oh, go and, ahead, and Dave. Just to extend it what Kevin said, I think one of the key values we added was that because we're working directly with, uh, you know, uh, our business partners on public cloud, we were able to provide, you know, the issues they were having by having this too much, too aggressive of security policies. And, you know, to work, we're able to act as a bridge between, you know, our, our end customers, business partners and information security groups and say, okay, these, this is causing too much hassle, too much, you know, uh, ticketing, et cetera, right? And so how do, we, how do we find that right balance where we are, you, you know, it still allows developers, you know, enough freedom to work within uh, a framework, you know, a secured framework, and still a lot, you know, meets the security requirements that you know uh, information security has, and and you know does alerting and enforcement notices, you know. So we, we were able to provide that, you know, that balance, that feedback, uh, I, you know. I love how you said that because that's what a true broker does, right? Um, uh, you the guys mediator. were the mediator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you guys got yelled at from InfoSec exactly. and yeah. also the developers, right? Yeah. yeah. Info, you, InfoSec said, here's our policy, right? And then and then we're like, okay, how do we apply that policy realistically or you know intelligently, not just, you know, you can't do X. Well, maybe they need to do that and but provide yeah. it in a safe you, and secure way. I, I can yeah. imagine InfoSec was like going, You're gonna do what? You're yeah. putting <laughs> all of our data on a public cloud? Are you crazy? Right. right. I mean, they, I, InfoSec guys, they don't want anything outside of the walls. They would love it if we didn't have any external network connectivity. Right. I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. I mean, right? we that understand was, that. That was a key component to what we provided too. And right? we call, you know, Dave and I call these discrete versus, you know, hybrid accounts. Right. So, discrete account is, you know, something that's not connected back to the home mothership of Intel. They, all they want to do is just have their application. It sits in their, in their network and it, it talks to the internet. That's all they wanted. And it didn't have to add all this extra stuff because it, you know, it's not really connected to Intel. It's very isolated. Everything's siloed in the cloud. So if something does get compromised, just that one application yeah, gets no compromised, not everything else. Versus the enterprise world, you're worried about your entire internal network being compromised because everything's all attached to each other, right? Yeah. So that's another beauty of the cloud is doing those POCs and those development things out there. You know, and you can do it cheap too. You can use small instances. You can turn things off at night. Uh, and you could tear it down really quick. Hey, this project's going to end and it didn't go anywhere. Let's just kill the account and you're done. You don't have to worry about, you know, taking a bunch of servers out of racks and shipping them off and, you know, mothballing them and things like that. So that's another beauty of where, where we really grew with the cloud. So the other thing that you guys provided was training. 
you got, this was actually pretty brilliant. You brought the cloud service providers in and had training sessions and made that available to your users, right? Instead of we're going to train you guys, you guys said, no, yep. let's bring in the experts. Let's give as much free training as we can. Um, I thought that was a brilliant move. Yeah, they're, they're more than willing to give you training, right? So the cloud providers want to want to help you grow in your community. So arranging that and brokering the relationship between the vendor and the business partners to get the training that they need and then setting up work, workshops throughout the year, uh, that was a really benefit. And that really grew from the, from the Cloud Center ex, Center of Excellence as well, right? They would provide the feedback on, hey, I want training on this. Uh, and then we would kind of negotiate that with the vendors. And also, um, as we had the maturity of, of using public cloud, we brought in, you know, teams that are, you know, experts in, in, in public cloud to do in internal teams within Intel to, to, you know, to showcase what they have done. That way, you know, their other groups could learn from that, right? And so, so not just bringing in external vendors, our, our, our cloud service providers, but also within, you know, our experts within the company to, to you know, do lunch and learn sessions and things like that. That, that was, that really promoted our, our cloud center of excellence, uh, you know, at, at Intel. Um, great job, guys. This is awesome uh, what you've been able to do. Thanks again for coming on um, the show. We will most definitely have you guys back. Um, um, I think this has been in, uh, invaluable. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and do something wonderful.